First Peter 1, 3 through 7. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Amen, for sure. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's good to hear a response. You're awake. You're awake. Well, hey, everyone. Like uh, Paul said, my name's John, and uh, I moved here five years ago to um, what many would call the promised land uh, when you compare it to Stockton, California. Um, Stockton, California is where I was serving um, for about nine years before I moved um, into Sonoma County. And before that, I grew up in the Central Valley where it's nice and hot all the time. So Merced is where I kind of come from, a Central Valley boy, and um, now I'm a Sonoma County guy. I've grown up a little bit, and I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, Like you said, I'm on staff at Spring Hills Church and um, been there for a while, and uh, it has been always such a great thing to have your pastor, um, Paul, come and speak when we are in need of a speaker. And uh, what I love so much about Paul when he comes is he just, he gets the word of God right every time. And I love his study of the scriptures. And um, I know this is being, you know, put online, but uh, it's okay for everyone to hear this, that, you know, we really, really like Paul at uh, Spring Hills. And when we have a guest speaker, we really, really like Paul. So, um, you know, today, today what I'd like to do is uh, I'd like to talk to you about the topic of having an eternal perspective, having an eternal perspective in this life with the purpose of helping us all think about and see this life and the life to come with a sense of eternity. When was the last time you talked or thought about the idea of eternity? You know, oftentimes when uh, we live our lives here on earth, we live in the here and now. And uh, we kind of think about uh, what's happening today or maybe next week, but uh, it doesn't always uh, find itself into our hearts or into our minds to think about eternity. And so today I want to just take a little bit of time for us to think through what does it mean for us to have an eternal perspective as a Christian going through this life. You know, everyone in this room has a perspective, right? You've got a perspective, I've got a perspective. And where are those perspectives rooted? Those perspectives are rooted in our reality, right? What we kind of see around us and what we consider to be real in our lives and what's going on around us. And we form those perspectives based on what we consider to be true and right and and good. And where things can get a little bit sideways is when our reality is beginning to be formed by things that therefore are not true therefore are 
false or don't uh, lead towards a foundation that's sturdy and strong that can you know, withstand the things that happen in this life. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, you know, our reality and our understanding of this life and how we live it, but also the life in which is to come, is based on an unchanging true word that comes from God, and that's the scriptures. Because God's word is true, we root ourselves there, and our reality is then based upon what the scriptures say, even when what we see doesn't line up with what the scriptures say, that doesn't mean the scriptures are wrong. It means that the scriptures are true, speaking into what's happening in our lives. And so in order to stay on track, in order for us to keep a right, accurate, good, biblical perspective on this life and the life to come, we must ought to root ourselves firmly into the word of God. And so today we're going to be looking at First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, to guide us in the message um, so we read that already this morning, but I love to read it again. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up and uh, you can go there. First Peter uh, chapter one, and uh, just a few things about the context of this passage. Um, it's that uh, it's written by a guy named Peter. Oh, you guys are sharp. You guys are good. Paul's a good teacher over here. He kn- but um, it's, it's written by Peter, um, and the context of this is that, uh, you know, Peter's one of the 12 disciples. He was that fisherman-turned-follower of Jesus, and his writings, his letter uh, here is to the Christians in the first century around 64 AD. So what does that mean? That means this is about 30 years or so after the ascension of Jesus Christ to heaven. And the point that Peter Um, had or the purpose behind why he wrote this letter, it was to encourage the Christians. It was to encourage them to help them see with an eternal perspective on their current situation, which was one of suffering, difficulties, and trials. Uh, Can I ask you a question this morning? Do we live in a world that has difficulties, sufferings, and trials all the time? That I know I can get an amen out of us, right? And so very much so, this scripture that was initially penned to the early church, right, is actually also for us today, that as we go through this life and we experience suffering and we experience difficulties and trials, um, it's important for us to be reminded of the eternal perspective that God has um, in store for us. And so 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 7 says this to the Christians to encourage them, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning and thank you for your word that it is used in such a way to encourage us in the moments of difficulty and trials and sorrow. Lord, I want to pray for the person here this morning, even maybe listening online, uh, who's going through difficulty, who's going through trials, who's going through sorrow. Um, We know that it does not show any partiality, that it hits every human heart. And God, we pray this morning that you would encourage us with the truth of your word, 
knowing that it's rooted in your son, Jesus Christ, our living hope. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, I want to dive into this idea of an eternal perspective from this passage. Um, And when you zoom out and look at what Peter is saying here, you're going to pick up on a couple different themes. All right, you're going to pick up on the theme of God's grace. You're going to pick up on the theme of our salvation, what God has done for us. And we're also going to see that there is something for us to look forward to. As Christians living in this life, there's something to look forward to, and that would be heaven. But the real theme that Peter is covering here is encouragement and hope amid suffering. And to refine it even more, Peter is answering the question that so many uh, were asking in the early church and still are asking today, and that's how do we find encouragement and hope in the midst of hard times? So like I said, we're talking about eternal perspective. And so here's a question that I want you to kind of think about. This is kind of the bottom line. If, If I were to say, what is the question that this passage is attempting or seeking to answer, it would be, how do we find encouragement and hope in the midst of suffering and hard times? Well, I think Peter gives us the answer. How do we have an eternal perspective in the midst of difficulty? Well, Peter begins with verse 3. Look at what it says. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where does he start when we go through trials? Where does he go? He takes our eyes and he begins to put them on who? On God, right? On God. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? Where do we get our hope? What's the scripture say? Our hope comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the first thing that Peter tells us about trials is he tells us what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, oh, it's going to be okay. You'll get through it. Where does he first, where does he go? He, he first goes to where it all kind of culminates, and that's truly upon God. You know, I think Peter starts there because it's the foundation of our entire faith, right? As Christians, we put our trust not in the things of this world, but we put our trust in God, right? We put our trust in him. When we go through difficult times, we can lose sight of God, can't we? Have you ever gone through a difficult time before? I've gone through a difficult time before, and sometimes the difficult times, they, they crowd out because sometimes the difficult times feel so big, so heavy, so difficult, so all-consuming. And because of that, and because we are still incomplete in our full ability to, I think, trust God in all things, I think there are times where we fail to be able to see God in the midst of all the difficulty. It's really easy for us to focus on our problems when we're going through hard times. But one of the worst things we can do in our problems is what? Focus on our problems. It really is not a good solution. Don't focus on your problem to to try and find a solution to your problem. Um, The scriptures constantly tell us what? Lift up your eyes. Fix your eyes, right? One of my favorite Psalms, looking at Psalm 121, you know, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes up to the hills, right? Because I, I look up because my sorrows and my discouragement and the, the tough things that I go through in this life cause me to take my eyes and be discouraged and look down, not to have hope. My body language wouldn't say that I'm hopeful, but it would be that I am sorrowful, I'm discouraged. But the scriptures tell us, lift up your eyes and focus your attention on God. Why? Because when we get a clear picture of God, his activity in our lives, what he has done for us, his power, 
his might, what he's able to do in the midst of our difficult situations, what does that do? Well, it begins to shift our perspective on the problem that we're facing, right? It begins to shift our perspective on the sorrow, on the pain, on the suffering. And what does it do? It gives us a perspective that considers eternity. It considers what's to be done in the grand scheme of life. And so Peter takes us back to the cross. He takes us back to the the resurrection, saying that we have been reborn into a new life with Christ, where the old is gone and the new has come. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anybody's in Christ, anybody, he is a new creation. Get on up here. You can finish this. He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come, right? And so as a Christian, when you become reborn, it's because your spiritual life has been so radically changed. Nothing else can be said about your life in such a way except for saying you've literally been born again. And a new life has started in you. And Peter tells us being born again leads to a new life filled with hope. But not just any type of hope. The Bible says a living hope. Now, why is it living, you might ask? Well, what's the difference between a hope and a living hope? Well, it's living because Jesus was raised from the dead, and because Jesus is alive, we too have a hope that is equally alive. If you are in Christ, your hope is alive and well and doing just fine because it's not sustained by you and your faith, but it's sustained in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the living hope, Jesus himself. And then what does it say in the next verses to come? It says, To an inheritance, you've been reborn into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So when you look at this passage, you say, okay, what is it saying here? What is Peter saying in this passage to us? Well, Peter's further describing the hope that we have in Christ. Again, it's all about Jesus. It's, our, it, it's where our anchor is. We put our hope in him. We start with him. When we're going through difficult trials, we turn to him. And so Peter's further describing this hope we have in Christ that we're reborn into the family of God. And when we're born into this family where God's the father, we immediately receive the inheritance that comes from him unlike anything else that we could find on this earth. You know, John chapter 1 tells us in verse 12 that only those who believe in the name of Jesus are given the words right. The word is right. Given the right to become children of God. You know, you're not a child of God unless you believe in Jesus. Sometimes we mix that up thinking that we're all God's children on the planet. But the reality is we're not. We're all God's creation, most definitely But only those who call God Father, Abba, have placed their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, are a part of the family of God. Do we want everyone to be a part of the family of God? Absolutely we do. Which is why every week we gather in churches, proclaim the gospel, tell the good news about who Jesus is, what he's done for us and for the world, his love. We want everyone to become a child of God, but the children of God are those who place their faith in Jesus. And I make this point because Peter is saying there's an inheritance. There's an inheritance. Most often, not always, but most often on earth, if you were to receive an inheritance, where does it come from? It comes from the family, right? Very rarely will people outside of the family 
take part in a inheritance because the family kind of takes care of themselves, right? When, when, um, when I pass away, my whatever I have left, I don't know what it's going to be, probably not a whole lot, but whatever I have, I'm going to give it to my kids, right? And it's going to be their problem, right? But the inheritance that we have from God is not a problem or it's not a, a piling on of what old stuff we have, but it's, it's an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and it's unfading. Look at how he describes it. Look, it can't be taken away, this inheritance that you have in Christ. It can't be messed up. You can't lose it. And it doesn't lose its value. How's your stock market going right now? Has it lost any value at all? Uh, where's your hope, everyone? Well, you know, hopefully it's not in that, right? Because what does that do? It, it goes up, it goes down, it loses value, it perishes, it fades away. But, but, but the fact that it can't be lost and it always keeps its value, it's guarded by God's power. Look at the verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Your inheritance being guarded by God's power through your faith now for a time in the future that is yet to come. And you will enjoy that inheritance for all of eternity. Eternity. You know, that's a long time. That's a really long time. I think one of the hardest things about having an eternal perspective is no matter how much we talk about it and we think about it, um, you know, we, we, we find ourselves living in the here and now, right? You find yourself living in the here and now. And how many of you have maybe tried to think about the idea of eternity, but sometimes it's difficult to separate the two. Sometimes it's difficult to kind of say, well, gosh, this is kind of my only context. This is kind of the only thing that I can kind of base my understanding of the idea of eternity and no, eternity is not, you know, spending your days at work, okay, waiting for the clock to hit, you know, five, whatever that might be. No, eternity is not, you know, um, waiting for that day when you're going to leave for vacation. It feels like an eternity. You know, my kids, you know, they're younger. I've got 10 all the way down to five years old. And, you know, it, sometimes five minutes feels like an eternity to them. I'm like, you have no idea uh, the concept of eternity because your mind is just so small and, you know, you're, you, you just don't understand. But you know what? As we grow up, guess what? Our minds don't get that much bigger. Uh, we, they really don't. And, and, and it sometimes takes a little bit of, um, you know, help to kind of get us with our mind wrapped around this idea of of eternity. And so I have this illustration that I want to share with you. I have this rope, um, and uh, I want this rope to help us uh, separate the two, if you will. So I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go out of frame really quick. But I want to kind of throw this line. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. I'm not a sailor or fisherman or boater or anything like that, but I do have a decent arm. All right, so here's what we're going to do. All right, you're going to pretend like this entire string represents your existence, okay? Your existence. And, and this string represents eternity. And, and, and you're going to pretend as if this string were to go completely out the door and there's no end to it. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to follow along with me in this illustration and, and see that if this would be our existence, this little red part at the very beginning of your existence would represent your life here on earth. All right, And I even think I'm being generous with this much of the red tape being your existence in the span of eternity. All right, But for the sake of those in the back, I want to be able to make it so that you can see. All right, And you know what's really incredible when you begin to think about this? It's like 
even though we pass away, it doesn't mean that things are over, right? Because there's eternity that will come to pass in our lives and in our existence. And you know what's funny is, you know, oftentimes I'll I'll have conversations with people and they'll consider some of the ways I've made decisions in this life. Things that um, have been influenced by having what I would consider an eternal perspective. And, And they would say, well, don't you know that your decisions here make a difference with your decision, with what happens here. Meaning that, don't you know that as you go through this life, you know, you know, what you do here actually, you know, follows you into your later years. And because your later years are going to be impacted by what you do now, you should really consider how you live it and what you do and what you invest in and, and how you, you know, make decisions. And then I lovingly say, I get that. I appreciate that. But I've got a greater perspective on life and that is, don't you know that your decisions here impact what happens here? Because it's so funny. We live in a world that says, okay, we're born, we go through school, we get to college maybe, or maybe we go into a trade, and then work happens, right? And we work, and we work, and we work, and we work, and we work. And what do we work for? We work for this little slice right here at the end of our red tape called retirement, We work and we work and we work until we hit retirement and we think that it's all about this little tiny red mark here at the end of our life when we don't realize what? There is all this to come. There is all this still to come. And the reason why I think it's so important for us to consider this idea of having an eternal perspective is because this is literally... Life and death. It really is. Because what this means is your decision here to respond to the gospel, to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, to confess your sin, your need, your dependence for him, that you're not good on your own, that you need the righteousness of Christ in order to stand before a holy and just God, that in order for that to happen and for you to spend eternity in heaven with God, that that takes place during your time here on earth. But here's the deal. If you are to pass through this life rejecting the gospel message, what does that mean? That means that your eternity is separation from God. Your eternity is one of absence of all the goodness and greatness and glory of the creator. And which is why it's so important because this can represent heaven or it can represent hell. And your decision to respond to the gospel is made right here. God's ability to show you and for you to respond, God to open up your eyes for him to reveal to you the truth of scripture. Man, it is such a powerful idea to think about. Even though I die here on earth, that doesn't mean that my existence stops and that what I did on earth doesn't matter. It does. You see, sometimes it's hard for us to separate the two for us to separate what it means for us to have an eternal perspective down here on earth because all we're thinking about is the red, right? All we're thinking about is this. All we're thinking about is, you know, buying a house, 
getting that car, getting that relationship, having that fat retirement, going on vacation, the here and the now. Down here on earth, everyone's thinking about the red. Everybody's consumed about the here and now. And rarely will we find people thinking about eternity. But when we read passages like 1 Peter, we're reminded of the reality of what? Eternity. We're reminded of eternity. The incredible inheritance that God has for us, which is being guarded and protected by God's power. And that's the way that Peter puts it. And now Paul, another writer in the New Testament, who knows his fair share about trials and suffering and difficulty, says it like this in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time, the red, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, the eternity. Paul gives us an eternal perspective as well, that as we go through this life, this present time and what we're facing does not compare to that which is to come. And that ought to encourage us. That ought to encourage you that one day this will be a different day that we live in. That's why it's so important for us to have an eternal perspective, to not let our circumstances change the way we think about our lives and our existence because God says something much different and true in his scripture. Now from verse five, he goes into verse six and he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by what? Various trials. You've been grieved by various trials. Everything that Peter has said up until this point is building to the verse right here. The in this that he's talking about is verse three, four, and five. The in this is God's power to to save you, to secure you, to send you to heaven. That's what he's talking about. Peter tells the Christians, rejoice in what God has done for you and what he has prepared for you, the inheritance. And then, then what he does is he addresses the reality of what most Christians in that time were facing and what we're facing today, and that's various kinds of trials. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you going through a trial? Are you going through a difficulty? Is there some suffering in your life? Is there pain happening in your life? We all have them. Just because I'm on staff at a church doesn't mean that I don't experience suffering. There is no partiality when it comes to that. If you're alive, if you have a heartbeat, you experience hardship. Now, you might not be in the midst of a trial right now or something very difficult or hard, but maybe you have memories of a trial that maybe still impact you today. It could be troubles at home. It could be troubles at your work, troubles in your marriage, in other relationships. It could be troubles with money, troubles with friends, troubles with your health. And it says, though now for a little while, you've been grieved by various trials. Now about trials, what what Peter tells us about them is he tells us a, a few specific things when it comes to the trials that we face. You know, it's really good for us to have some sort of understanding about trials because we all go through them. So we ought to know some information about it. And that's where the Bible comes in. It tells us about trials. It tells us three things. And I think these three things that it tells us help give us what's an eternal perspective on the difficulties that we face. Number one is that they aren't forever. Can I get an amen? Your trial is not forever. Forever, right? They're not forever. It says a little while. He knows that whatever his readers are facing, 
uh, what they're facing won't be their reality for all of time. It might feel like it's taking forever, but Peter knows that what they're facing is temporary. It'll all be over one day. And the same is true about the problems, about the trials, about the suffering and the difficulty that we face here on earth. Your problems are not, listen to me, your problems are not eternal. Your hope is because of Christ, but your problems are not eternal. So that's the first thing. The second thing he says about trials is they have a purpose. I don't know if I'm going to get an amen to that, okay? But they have a purpose. If you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, then God is at work in your life and your trials are serving a purpose. Peter says the words, if necessary, if necessary. The word necessary implies that there is a reason. There's a reason. Sometimes we go through trials because it's the way that God gets our attention. It helps us get back on track or helps us grow in our faith. I think it's amazing to consider how God can use difficulty for his glory and for his goodness and for your good and for your well-being. He can use it to get you back on track. And we have to keep that in mind. We have to consider that. You know, the person who's not in Christ, the person who doesn't have an eternal perspective, doesn't think about their difficulties in that way, that there's a purpose behind it. They might say, you know, the cliche, well, everything happens for a reason. But how many of you know it's one thing to say those words, and it's another thing to believe them in your heart? And even on the darkest days to continue to, to be held up by Christ and what he's done for us, because it's him who's holding on to us, right? It's not us holding on to him. You know, Christ holds on to us. You know, the, the, the Christian is the one who considers it pure joy, my brothers, like it says in the book of James, when you go through trials of various kinds. So there's a purpose behind it. And the third thing is that he tells us about trials is that it's, it's, it's not just one kind of trial, but there's various kinds of trials. The Greek word used here is translated as the idea of many colors, there's trials of many colors. It's the idea that trials come in different shades and forms. It's not just one kind of trial. Your trial is different than my trial, which is different than your trial. We all experience different trials. This is the idea. And he uses this word. And so Peter says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, just look at that. You have been grieved. In this, you rejoice you have been grieved. Now, normally the words rejoice and trials are not found in the same sentence, right? You could probably agree with that statement because without an eternal perspective, that makes no sense at all. If you're going through a trial, you're not rejoicing. Normally we only rejoice when the trial is over. Ha, hallelujah, praise Jesus, it's over. But you know that it's possible for us to rejoice even in the midst of our trial not because of our own strength, but because of our living hope, who is Christ Jesus, who says that he's come and he's overcome the world. Peter shows us that it's possible to have great suffering and at the same time have great joy. Look at this quote that I uh, came across by, um, let's see here, did I miss it? By um, this guy named Tim Keller. It says, the opposite of joy is not sadness, it's hopelessness. It's hopelessness. The opposite of joy is not sadness, it's hopelessness. This means that joy is something that we can have even on the most difficult days because Christians are not never without hope. 
We can choose joy in the midst of our sorrow. Though trials may cause temporary grief, they cannot diminish the deep abiding joy which is rooted in our living hope who is Christ Jesus our Lord. Now in verse 7, it says this. It says, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's the main idea here? Well, it's that as we go through trials, it reveals the kind of faith that we have. You want to know what kind of faith you have? Trials expose that. Suffering exposes that. Difficulty exposes the type of faith that you have. I remember it was May 4th last year. Actually, it was two years ago now. Because May was just a couple months ago. So it was May 2020. That I lost my stepdad of um, 30 years. Uh, so he, I wouldn't even call him my stepdad. He was my dad. And um, he, uh, he was doing just fine. He was doing okay. He was in the backyard just uh, doing his regular thing, walking around the yard, making sure everything was getting watered. Uh, he, he delighted in just his backyard being a place where people could come and enjoy fellowship. And then later on that day, he came inside and didn't feel himself, and he kind of kept himself um, off to the side, and um, little did he know he was experiencing a heart attack, and he um, had shortness of breath, and um, he had let it go for a long time, and he eventually was taken to the hospital, and there was a lot of damage done to his heart, but um, my mom had called all the kids, and it was out of nowhere that um, we got this call, and I remember um, at first not believing it that uh, he had had a heart attack, but at least there was the hope that he was alive and that he was in the hospital and that he was being taken care of. And um, day after day, my mom kept hope that he was going to get better as the doctors said, hey, he's going to get better. Um, He'll recover. Um, And then just one complication after the other just led to this, this, um, this, this of his health going down. And um, I remember my mom calling me and saying, John, you need to come right now. And so leaving from uh, Santa Rosa, 11.30 at night, driving to Modesto to the hospital, um, making it there in time while he was still alive, but um, I just wasn't able to go up and see him. I wanted him to know that I was there, um, and we were, we were still hopeful because the next day he was going to go to Stanford, and he was going to see a specialist. So we drive home thinking that tomorrow morning we'll all be going over to Stanford, and um, we get a phone call not 20 minutes later as we're on Highway 99, and... Um, he says, uh, my mom says, uh, hey, dad coded, you need to come back right now. So we turn around, whole time, I'm with my brother, quiet. We, we want to say something, but we can't say something because words don't seem to give any type of help in that moment. We know what's possible, what's probable, and, um, and we get to the hospital, and uh, we get to the elevator, and we go upstairs, and... Uh, remember it so clearly and um, my mom just coming out and she just saying that, that he's gone it's like what like, dad's, dad's gone he's not in pain anymore and I haven't relived that story in a long time which is why I'm feeling so emotional about it right now but um, in that moment um, my mother who just lost her husband displays her amazing faith 
by gathering the kids together as we're crying in the waiting room right outside where his room's right down the hall. And she says, we need to pray. And so she gathers the kids and we're upset and we're crying and we don't understand. And she's praying and she's singing songs. And in that moment, her faith being tested showed true genuine genuineness. And the only way for me to describe it was that it was more precious than gold. It was more precious than gold. You know, when we go through trials of various kinds, I apologize for my emotions this morning, um, but when we go through trials of various kinds, it reveals the kind of faith that we have. It reveals where our anchor is, where our hope is, where we're going to run to. The key word here is the genuineness of your faith Faith may be found. It was, um, you know, my mom's a retired librarian. She's not even, she, she's not a pastor or leader or anything like that necessarily, but her faith was so impactful upon her kids that day that I'll never forget that. It was a true testimony to what genuine faith looks like. You know, um, when I think about this idea of testing, I, I think about how a jeweler can tell whether the gold that was brought to them is, is real or fake. You know how they do that? They, they put it in the fire, right? They, they, they heat it up. And when you heat it up to the right temperature, you can determine if the gold is real or fake, how pure that gold really is. Um, do you know how you can tell what kind of faith you have, what your faith is like? Well, heat it up. Heat up things in your life. Put it in the fire. See what kind of purities or impurities exist in a person's faith. I once heard that a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Our faith must be tested to reveal to us the areas where we lack, where we can continue to grow. So God strengthens us through these tests, but also he reveals to us in his mercy and in his love to show us what kind of faith we truly have when we go through difficult times. Because to God, our faith is so important. What does it say? It says it's more precious than gold. The Bible says your faith is more valuable than gold. Hebrews 11 says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so Peter tells us that one way that we can have an eternal perspective when we go through trials of various kinds is to realize that it's for our good so that we might know the condition of our faith. Now, just a few thoughts as I want to wrap up principles that I'd love to give you as we kind of just finish things out here when we talk about this idea of eternal perspective going through trials. When we face trials, I think this scripture shows us that we need to look back to what God has done for you. Great example, you know, the cross of Jesus Christ. What has he done for you? He has made a way. He has paid it all. We've sung the songs. We've read the catechism. We've declared it. We need to put our eyes on God and what he's done for us. Look back to that. The second thing, we need to look forward to the future inheritance that we have in Christ. Remind ourselves of that future inheritance that God has for us, that's being secured by your faith and, and protected by his power. And it's not just an inheritance that you are going to receive one day, but you have it now. You have it now. You have that living hope right now in Christ, walking with you, the power of the Spirit in you. And then lastly, when we face trials, we look at trials as a way to show you the kind of faith 
that you have. What I would say is that uh, whatever you do, I'll go back, that way we're not. Phil Wickham, he needs to wait, okay? But uh, whatever you do, you, you, you don't look to the world for an eternal perspective. I, and, and I know that every week as people get up and they, they share the word, that um, this world is not where we put our hope. This world is not where we, we uh, cling to when difficulty and struggles arise. Um, I realize that for today, I spoke a lot to the Christian. I spoke a lot to the one who's already in a relationship with Jesus and considers Christ in them their living hope. But I also recognize that maybe there are people here this morning that your hope is not in Christ because you're not a believer. And what I would, what I, what I would plead with you this morning is to consider these words of Peter and to put your hope in Christ, the living hope, to not put your hope in the things of this world, but to put your hope in the one thing that's eternal, which is the love of God in Christ Jesus, the hope of heaven, the king, the conqueror, the victor, the one that even death could not beat. Today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, your eternity looks much different than what the scriptures are describing. It's not a fear tactic. It is just a way in which I would love to share with you the truth that in the grand scheme of life and eternity, God calls you into relationship with him so that you would be experiencing the fullness of life, both here on earth, but also in heaven. And there's one way, the Bible says, and that way is Christ. It's Jesus our Lord. That nobody comes to the Father except through him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this morning and thank you that uh, we have this living hope that's found only in your son, Jesus. Father, I want to pray for um, the individuals in this room who have experienced, maybe currently experiencing difficulty and trials, suffering, hardship. Lord, thank you that your word provides for us a real, a tangible hope that we can find in your son, Jesus, and the promise of eternity that's to come. Lord, thank you that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, and that in all things you are more than able to accomplish your works and your purposes through our difficulty and through our struggles. And so, Lord, I pray that as individuals here this morning, as we gather and we all have different things that are happening in our lives, Lord, that you would speak to them and that you would give us an eternal perspective on the things of this life and the difficulties that we face. Father, we're a needy people. We're in, we're in need of encouragement constantly. May we be a people that are constantly, therefore then, in your word. And Father, I want to pray for a person here this morning that maybe does not have a relationship with you, that their hope is in this world or in themselves. And if I'm speaking to you, and I want you to know that the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. If you don't know what your eternity 
is going to be because you have not made a decision about it, then today can be the day that you come into a relationship with Jesus. And so if that's you, if you've not yet come into a relationship with Jesus, then I want want you to, to make a decision today to follow Christ. And the great thing about coming to Christ is that he doesn't want anything from you. He wants everything for you. He wants to give you the gift of his righteousness. But that's in exchange for your confession of sin and your need for him. And so humbly coming before God as a sinner in need of salvation, you can pray and say something similar to Father, this morning, I recognize that my hope is not found in you, that I've trusted in the things of this world. And as a result, my hope does not go on for all of eternity. And in fact, it leaves me wanting more so often, leaves me discouraged. I want a real living hope. And, And today, I heard that it was only found in you. I recognize that apart from you, my eternity is to spend forever separated from you in hell. Father, this morning I want to confess my sin to you. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. You exchanged your perfect life for my sinful life and have declared me righteous in the sight of the Father, not because of anything I've done, but because of what you've done on the cross. Come into my life. I want to trust you as the Lord of my life. Lead me and guide me. Thank you for loving me even when I did not show love to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.